wonderful people who've been a part of our lives for as long as we can remember. Um, and we thank God that he has received them into his glory. And um, it's good to know that while we're here physically uh, celebrating together, uh, we're also streaming online right now on the Church in the House experience. So those people that couldn't come are still being blessed. And every week we'll continue to do the Church in the House experience. I want to thank uh, all of the teamwork that has made this great dream work. That What we're seeing here today is the coming together of a lot of skill, dedication, um, sacrifices uh, made by great team members. And there's so much behind the scenes to pulling together an event of this nature. So much practice and rehearsal and, and getting things right and pulling it together. Could you help me in celebrating all of the teamwork that has made the great dream work? Say thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, I guess when, when we've got it all together, right, which we're trying to get it together at the moment, when we've got it all together, uh, hopefully Super Sunday uh, August, we'll have a proper Thanksgiving service and uh, uh, be able to appreciate everyone in, in the most appropriate way. Uh, today, <laughs> suffice uh, to have a service. Uh, and what awesome praise and worship it's been so far. It's been absolutely electric, very... Uh, very, very inspirational. And, um, and so thank you. Thank you all for your prayers. Thank you all for your love. Straight after service today, there are some people getting baptized again today after service. So it's been a great uh, time of harvest, and we're excited about it in Jesus' name. All right, I want you to help me to celebrate the Lord today. And again, we, we, you know, we're not encouraging you to sing, right? But we're not stopping you either. It's a song I've wanted to sing ever since we, we closed down. And I thought, you know what, when we get back, this is what I want to sing. All right? Uh, I, I apologize in advance to our musicians. You know why they stopped? Because, like, where is Bishop going to start? Where is he going? What is he going to do? Okay, the song goes something like this. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. My God shall supply all the needs in your life. For the cattle on a thousand hills are his. Jehovah Jireh, he's the God that provides for us. In him you find shelter, life, and strength. Shelter, life and strength. All right, that was great. Now take me up a key or two. And we'll try to... All right, see, you got to start somewhere. <laughs> you start somewhere, you got to climb. You know how it goes. Be rusty now. Let's try it again. Here we go. A little more monitor. Mm. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
the needs in my life for the cattle on a thousand hills are his Jehovah Jireh Jehovah Jireh he's the God that provides for us in him you find shelter life and strength shelter life and strength Jehovah Jireh say He's the God that provides for us. In Him you will find shelter, life, and strength. Shelter, life, and strength. Jehovah Rapha, He's the God that healeth thee. He's the God that healeth thee. In Him. You find shelter, life, and strength. Shelter, shelter, life, and strength. One more time, Jehovah Shalom. He's the God that is our peace. praise hallelujah hallelujah thank you thank you thank you god bless you and you may be seated i'm going to ask for i'm going to ask for some more monitor i mean the the uh the covering tastes nice and all that but i just uh didn't plan on eating it this morning so give me some monitor so i can just hold right here and uh thank you ever so much so that song means a lot to me because uh God has been our peace. He has been our provision. He has been our healing uh, throughout this season, and we give all the glory, the honor, and the praise to him. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right. Uh, I'm not going to preach long today. Why is there so much doubt in the atmosphere? Huh? I, I can't I can't preach long today. I'm not allowed to, okay? We got some strict timekeeping and some rules to keep to. Uh, but I must admit, it does feel a little better and a little different uh, actually speaking to people because for the last year, I've been looking at a camera and trying to imagine what it's like. So this is really cool. And uh, hopefully it'll bring out a little more of my personality. Careful what you wish for. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to start something today. I'm going to start a little revolution today, and uh, I'm 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 pretty sure the enemy's really mad. I mean, the enemy must be frustrated, right? It's like what whatever whatever he he does uh, simply um, becomes leverage for us. Uh, God turns it into a platform for our promotion and our progress, and we look back and say, "Thank God, you know, thank God." Uh, uh, so, uh, I'm going to start a revolution today. Any, any revolutionaries in the house? Okay, hopefully there'll be a few more of you by the time I've finished. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I am in the book of the Acts 
of the Apostles, the book of Acts, very unique book in the New Testament. So you get the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you have Acts. And then after the Acts, you have the Epistles, which are all the letters written by the Apostles to the churches that they planted in the book of Acts. So Acts is really uh, a history book, and it documents the birth, growth, life, um, exponential growth and life of the early church, the first church, the Church of Jesus Christ, the original church, the authentic church. And um, it documents the story and documents its progression, its challenges, its nuances, its idiosyncrasies are all documented in Acts. The epistles then run from, uh, you know, Romans right through to Jude. And the epistles are letters written by the apostles to the churches that they planted in Acts. Which means if you're going to understand the epistles correctly, you will have to try to understand Acts. So I'm going to be in Acts for a little bit today. With your permission, can I hear an amen? amen. And I know we're in a new space. It must be hard to focus. Boy, some of your bubbles are big, man. <laughs> so you all have big bubbles. You're supposed to have space between bubbles. I'm like, jeez. All eight, nine of you living in the same house. God help us all. I hope you all vaccinated or something. Cause, all right. So here goes. Uh, <laughs> Acts, chapter Acts chapter number uh, seven and verse eight. These are not my reading glasses. What does your Acts seven verse eight say? Actually, it could be 6, verse 8. Well, I'll tell you what my one says anyway. It says, and Stephen, full of grace and power. Is that 6, verse 8? That's right. Well, it's like I said. It's chapter 6, verse 8. All right? Just testing. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Oh, I'm going to pause right there. Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. I'm going to speak into our collective destiny and launch a series, an in-person series. And the series we do in person will be slightly different to the series that we do online until we can catch up with recordings, all right? So I'm going to launch a series today, and the series is entitled The Birth of a Movement. The Birth of a Movement. I want you to lift one of your hands in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to invite the Holy Spirit into your space. Invite him personally to illuminate your mind, to enlighten your understanding. Sweet Holy Spirit of the living God, we need you now more than ever. We're hungry, so hungry, and thirsty for more of you. We need you now more than ever. In fact, we're desperate for you. We invite your presence, your power to reign on us, to impact us with the word of the Lord. Father, I stand not today to impress anyone, but to impress upon us all the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Be glorified, magnified, exalted in the word. Let your people be edified, empowered, and elevated in the magnificent name of our sovereign Savior, Jesus. 
And all the people said amen and amen. Amen. The birth of a movement. <clears throat> Let me remind some and inform others that Jesus never came here to start a new religion. Let me remind some and inform others that Jesus never came here to start a new religion. If all you get out of Jesus is a new religion, you didn't really get much out of Jesus. He actually came to abolish certain aspects of religion because he was the spearhead that spearheaded a movement and the birth of a new breed of people. Almost a new species, almost a new kind. The redeemed kind, the ransom kind, the recovered kind, the authentic kind. The kind that was in Eden reclaimed, redeemed, restored. He really came to birth a new breed. And that's why he said, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. In other words, if the, if the seed is buried in the earth, it's going to produce more of what it was, more of the same. In other words, he had a vision of many more Jesuses. His idea was that I am the first born among many brethren. His idea was that I am the model son, the pattern son. And the sons of God thereafter are going to model me. They're going to pattern me. They're going to resemble me. And you will see me in them. <laughs> Amen. Uh, because I'm here to birth a new breed. The birth of a movement. And so the book of the Acts documents the birth of that movement. The birth of the Jesus movement. And it's exponential growth. Can I talk about exponential growth for just a moment? And let you know that there is no success story in history like the success of the early church. That's right. There's no business. There's no internet. There's no virus that has spread more quickly than did the early church. In the space of one generation, they moved from a prayer meeting of 120 people. They moved from 120 praying to within the space of one person's lifetime establishing a Christian community in every known capital, every major capital of the known world, to where there were eventually saints in Caesar's house. A church in Rome, Corinth, Thessalonica, Ephesus, a church in every major capital city of the known world. The numbers multiplied. Initially, they added. Day of Pentecost, the Lord added to the church daily. Such as should be saved. 3,000 were added to the church. You get to chapter 5, the number of the disciples is multiplied. And then you lose count. Because it bursts out of Jerusalem, gets into the region of Judea, 
goes through Samaria, impacts the Gentiles who were non, not Jewish, and starts spreading virally. And it's not spreading because it's a convenient religion. No, no. It's spreading against the backdrop of persecution, hostility, economic depressions, oppressions. It's spreading against the darkest backdrop, but it is spreading fanatically. Because Jesus did not come here to start another religion. He came to birth a new breed and to give birth to a movement that would eventually dominate, have dominion, reclaim spaces on planet Earth. And so I think that coming out of this pandemic, whenever that is, by the way, I'm not sure we're coming out in the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to be living with the presence of this virus and other viruses down the road. I think there are more threats to humanity to appear. But coming out psychologically, when we come out, as we emerge from this psychologically and spiritually, it's important that we emerge from it as a movement not as a movie. There's a difference between a movement and a movie. Uh-huh. You see, the movie is something that you watch. And I think we went into the pandemic with the vast majority of Christians watching a movie called church. And we even chose the churches we went to based on how much of a theater it resembled. How comfortable was the seating? Do they serve popcorn and soda so we can watch the movie and recline? You know, I think if we found a church with reclining chairs, it would be packed. And, 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 you know, kind of wait to service. It will come around just while, while the praise and worship is going on to ask if you'd like some more soda or to ask if you'd like something else. Come on, somebody. Church was a movie in which the vast majority were spectators watching the performances of the participators. Even the way it's laid out, it's a stage. The actors are on the stage, the audience is in the, is in the pew, and we watch. It's so easy to watch church happening. But see, I don't believe that Jesus came to star in another movie. And this is why he quite deliberately, quite intentionally allowed the movie to go wrong. <laughs> you ever watch those movies where you feel like you've worked out the end of the movie and then it goes left? Come on, young people. You know what I'm talking. It just goes left. That's not what I expected to happen to the movie. And that was the disciples watching the Jesus movie. Ooh, he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel. He's going to crush the Romans. He's going to take over. He's going to be the new King David. And he's going to establish the kingdom to Israel. But what is, uh, you know, and that's why he's, look, what, watch him triumphantly entering into Jerusalem. Oh, look at him. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Watch him drive out the, the crooks and the criminals from the temple. It's coming, it's coming. He's switching. He's becoming military. He's getting milly. But hold on, they've arrested him. But that's not how that, that's going left. Now he's being beaten. Now that's, that's, go, that's gone left. Now he's carrying a cross. 
this is not supposed to happen. I'm not going. I'm leaving the theater. They left. Now he's crucified. We're devastated. Jesus let the movie go left because he never came to star in another movie. He came to birth a movement. And uh, we're going to have to decide whether we emerge psychologically and spiritually from this pandemic as, as, as the audience watching the movie that is called church or whether we are going to become part of the movement that Jesus came to establish. Wish I had some help in here today. We have to decide whether we're going to build a monument or build momentum. Oh, help me up in here. I feel like I'm going somewhere. We have to decide, are we going to spend our energy building monuments or are we going to build momentum? Because you know what happened to all of us who built monuments? We were scattered, driven out of the monuments. You know what a monument is? It's, a, it's the memorial to your achievements, to your past achievements. And it's exactly what the disciples wanted to do on the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus unveiled his glory and they saw Moses and Elijah shining with Jesus, instead of saying, wow, this is the kind of power we're going to take into the world, they said, let's build three tabernacles. Let's build three memorials right here. Let's make this moment so epic that we'll always come back to it. It'll always be our point of reference coming back to these monuments. But you know what? Every church that, that we built... We had to leave it, had to leave it for well over a year. And right now, none of them are full. I, I think if we turn our ears towards heaven, we'll realize that the energy should not be spent building monuments right now, but building momentum right now. Because Jesus didn't come to star in a movie. He came to birth a movement. And in order for a movement to genuinely be a movement, the momentum must convert members, y'all ain't going to help now, into missionaries. Because only at the point that the message is in you, embodied by you, and is you, and doesn't rely on the performance to be heard. Only at that point do you have a movement. Now, the Bible is a book of movements, by the way. Can I just remind you of that? That before, the, the starting point of all creation was the move of God. And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the deep and God said. So before God said, he was moving. And the universe he created, he set it into motion so that this planet is spinning on its axis while, whilst orbiting the sun. Everything God made, he sets it in motion. When something is stagnant, it has died. When, 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 you stay, when you find yourself not progressing, not moving, there's no movement, there's no motion in your life, that's a spirit of death. When you find yourself moving, moving, there's movement, there's activity, there's action, that's a sign of life because God is the God of motion and movement. And part of that creative process is to move you, which is why he says, Abraham, move. He moves Abraham. He moves Joseph into Egypt. He moves the family into Egypt and then the exodus, a movement. The exodus was a movement. Moses was a spearhead. But can I tell you something about spearheads? They go nowhere without the spear. 
They rely on the leverage, the aerodynamic, the physics behind the pole. Because if you are a spearhead with no spear, you're going nowhere. So Moses with his spearhead message got nowhere until everybody said, we are moving in the same direction as that spearhead with the same objectives, with the same mission. We're moving together. And once there was a movement, there was some traction. Doors opened, the Red Sea opened, and God's people were on the move. The promised land, possessing the promised land, that was a movement. That was a movement. And until the movement was ready, we went round in circles for 40 years. Isn't that right? So you can have a very zealous spearhead at the front, but until the movement is ready, we don't really go anywhere. Is this making sense? Give me a few more minutes. Don't worry. This is just my introduction. <sighs> so, the early church. Ooh, great early church. Early church had problems. Early church had issues. And here was the issues. They inherited a paradigm of greatness and a paradigm of kingdom that made special people, special people available to God. Everyone else had to watch them. In other words, you had priests, you had prophets, you had kings. Those people were anointed. Everyone else were beneficiaries of their anointing, watching them move, watching them act. That was normal. The Spirit of God never fell on everyone in the Old Testament. Only fell on prophets, fell on priests, fell on kings. The people watched. People watched God dealing with Moses. They watched God dealing with Joshua. The Spirit of God never fell on people. But a prophet, Joel, woo, Joel said, it will come to pass in the last days, saith God, that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. In other words, there's not just going to be a prophet over here or a prophet over there. But all flesh, your sons, your daughters will prophesy. That's a weird, that's weird because we've never seen that before. It's never happened before. So here's what happened when the church was born. The apostles were the special ones. They were. And up till the sixth chapter of Acts, every miracle in the book of Acts was done by the hands of the apostles. Check it. All the preaching was the apostles. All the teaching was the apostles. All of the miracles was the apostles. Peter's shadow. Healing the sick, but that was all right because that's Peter. It's mighty Peter. We expect Peter to have that anointing. And we're going to watch the movie called The Apostles. We were watching the movie called Jesus. Now we're watching part two, season two, The Apostles. This Netflix is so cool. We're watching it. It's The Apostles. We're watching them. Until someone broke the mold. Help me now. Someone broke the mold. His name is Stephen. Everyone say Stephen. Stephen was not an apostle. No, no, no. He was a brother. Everyone say a brother. He was a good brother. He was an outstanding brother. He was a committed brother, but he was not an apostle. He didn't have a title. He didn't have an official office. 
He didn't have, in fact, his job in the church was distributing food in the cafe, in the restaurant. That was his role in the church. He wasn't Minister Stephen. He wasn't Elder Stephen. He wasn't Pastor Stephen. He wasn't Bishop Stephen. He wasn't Archbishop Stephen, Prophet Stephen, Apostle Stephen, Evangelist Stephen. Oh, here comes Evangelist Stephen. No, it's Brother Steve. Steve, bro. Hey, Steve. It's Stevie. We've we known you from time, bro. He's just a brother. You're a good brother. You love God. You pray. You, you, you're at least on the prayer line. But you're a brother, Stephen. Let me tell you something about Brother Stephen. Brother Stephen was a believer. Everyone say a believer. Say a believer. And I want to just demystify something right now. The early believers were called Christians by their enemies. They never called themselves Christians. And they were called their Christians almost as a mockery of them. And it meant you're an imitator of Christ. You're a fake imitation Christ. And that's what they did. Originally, they weren't called Christians. Originally, they were called believers. Ooh, I love this. And Jesus said something about believers. He said that these signs will follow them that believe. Oh, come on now. Believers Believers is what the world is missing. The world is not missing Christians. The world is missing believers because I found out a lot of Christians are not believers. You go to church, but you're not a believer. You know the songs, but you're not a believer. Come on, somebody. You may even have a title, but you're not a believer. Because believer means that you have faith in something. You believe something. You believe that Christ has risen from the dead. You believe the Holy Spirit is the power of God that regenerates a life. You believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You believe in the mission. You have to be a believer, not just a Christian. And I think that, that this phrase is being rubbed out slowly. I'm sorry to have to tell you that, but the phrase is being rubbed out. It's getting difficult when you say, I'm a Christian. It's so broad now, it don't mean nothing. What does it mean? I don't know. People say, well, what are you? I say, I'm a believer. What do you believe? I believe in Jesus. I believe in his sinless life. I believe in his vicarious death. And I believe in his glorious resurrection. And I believe he will come again. And I believe he is living and reigning in the body of believers. And you see, once you are a believer and you're walking by faith and not by sight, the Bible says these signs are going to follow you. You don't have to follow signs when you're a believer. The signs follow you. You don't have to work up and conjure up some kind of magic. The magic follows you because you are a believer. That's, that's such an honorable position. That's the title. That's the post. That's the qualification. I'm a believer. I'd like someone to say, I am a believer. You see, you never ask believers what denomination. You don't really ask believers what church. 
You don't ask believers what flavor. I'm a believer. It means I've got faith. I am walking with faith. I believe something. And, and, and see, that's different to I belong to this group. I belong to that group. I'm a member of this. You see, I think it's time out for arguing doctrine. I don't think that arguing doctrine helps anyone. I don't think we need to be arguing Christianity. I think we ought to be laying hands on the sick. I think we ought to pray for those that are in need and love them practically with our substance. Demonstrate. Stephen broke the mold. Stephen broke the mold. Only the apostles preach, bruh. What are you doing preaching? Only the apostles work miracles. What are you doing laying hands on the sick? You're stepping out of your station. You're not supposed to lay hands on the sick. You're supposed to bring the sick to the apostles. You're not supposed to teach people how to get saved. You're supposed to bring them to church so the pastor can teach them how to get saved. You know how this thing became a movement? It became a movement when believers, believers were bringing the saved to church rather than bringing the unsaved to get saved. They were bringing people that they had converted already into the fellowship of the church for discipleship because each member had become a missionary. Now let me show you what happened when Stephen, when Stephen said, I'm a believer. I'm not an apostle, but I'm a believer. So I'm going to lay my hands on you. I'm going to pray for your healing. I'm going to ask God to turn the situation around for you. No, I'm not going to phone the bishop. I'm going to pray for you first of all. If it doesn't work, maybe we'll call the bishop. But that's not where we start. Because I am a believer. And because I'm a believer, then the spirit, the same spirit that is in and on my bishop, that spirit is in and upon me. And I'm a believer. Believer, so I'm going to pray for you first of all. Can I pray with you right now? Can I talk to you about Jesus? That's, that's what Stephen did. He broke the mold. And the devil went berserk. Do you know, all up until now, people were being arrested. People were being beaten. People were being told off. But when Stephen breaks the mold, he was martyred. I mean, they killed him. I'm not joking. They killed him. He was the first martyr of the church. Why was the devil so mad with Stephen? Because Stephen, if people get the idea that ordinary Christians could win souls, heal the sick, change people's lives then we can't stop Christianity. So long as they think it's only the preacher, it's only the elder, it's only the minister, then we can contain it because we can arrest them, we can be behind them, we can do stuff to them, we can stop them. But if ordinary Christian believers start thinking that the power of God is available to them, we got to shut Stephen down. They went ham on Stephen, stoning him. You know what? You know what Stephen did when they stoned him. He looked up, and as he looked up, he saw Jesus standing in the clouds. Now, how do you hurt a man that you are beating to death, and he smiled? 
You talk about shook. Listen, there was a zealous Pharisee present when Stephen was being killed. His name was Saul. Saul was a fanatic. He hated Christianity. He hated the church. He devoted his life to the destruction of this new cult. And he held the coats of the people that were stoning Stephen. And he watched. But he watched in shock. Because instead of Stephen begging for his life, Stephen is smiling. If I read on, it would tell you his face became like the face of an angel. And Saul couldn't get it out of his head. He couldn't get it out of his head. If ordinary Christians become so committed to Christ and his cause and start believing that they have power to make a difference without the need, without the, the usual, what we'll call the pastor, then that becomes a movement you can't stop. And that's exactly what happened. This Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he became Paul. He became Paul the apostle, the greatest missionary apostle of the New Testament. Greater than the apostles that were originally apostles. He became a new apostle and he took the gospel further than anyone else. And there's a reason why he took it further than anyone else. Because you see, he was rejected he was rejected not only by his own community, he was rejected initially by the Christian community and therefore he was forced to learn certain things for himself and he was forced to be able to explain himself. He was forced into certain positions and here's where I'm going to start to close. What does Bishop Malcolm mean when he says he's going to start to close? Absolutely nothing, but it's comforting to hear that. The point is, uh, the point is, that, that, that movements are not made, they are born. Listen to me now. Movements are not made, they are born. You know, some folks are saying, you know what, we need to start a prayer movement. You can't start a prayer movement. It has to be born. What do I mean born? I mean it has to come out of a crisis. Movements come out of crisis. They never, you know, you can try to put one together. It doesn't happen. The day the crisis happens, the movement begins to evolve naturally. You see, if you took Martin Luther King out of the context that birthed the civil rights, he could not have had the authority, the command, the audience. It would not have been there. It was a set of social, economic, and legal circumstances that birthed the movement called the civil rights movement. And someone said, oh, we need another one. We need a this, we need a that. You can't find another one, this, that, or the other outside of the circumstances that birth it. So the church wasn't just born because of an administrative meeting. It was born out of the crisis of the cross. The movie crashed. The movie crashed. And now we have a crisis. Jesus is not here. What are we going to do? Oh, we're going to have to get together. We have to remember what he said. We have to remember what he said. We have to wait for his spirit. We're going to have to put certain things into motion. And that was the birth of a movement. 
The birth, the growth of the movement was the, was the death of Stephen. The, uh, the death of Stephen started a persecution against the church. You know what the persecution looked like? It looked like this. Are you, are you, a, are you one of the believers? Yes. You're under arrest. Is that a prayer meeting I hear going on? You're under arrest. The persecution meant that believers left Jerusalem. They scattered. They were forced out of their comfort zone. And when you're forced out of your comfort zone, you're on your own. The apostles are not with you. You've either got to remember what you were taught. Come on now. You've got to remember what you were taught. You've got to stand on it yourself. You've got to embody it yourself. And you're going to have to do something different because it's not being done for you anymore. Can I hear an amen? So as the believers were scattered, the Bible says they went everywhere preaching the word. Why were they preaching the word? Because we remember that one brother... He preached the word. Signs and wonders followed him. God used him mightily. And God can use us mightily. And that was the birth of a movement. It was people responding to their suffering and, in, and embodying the ideals of a movement. So I stopped by to say this. The persecution drove the church into new territory and out of comfort zones. Look at this global pandemic. What, what has it actually done? Let me tell you the first thing it did. It drove the whole church of Jesus Christ into cyberspace. Drove us into cyberspace. You had no other place to be. But we should have gone to cyberspace anyway. Isn't that right? We should have already targeted it as a mission field, knowing that millions upon millions of people are in that space. But we didn't care about that. We cared about our monuments and our movies. And God didn't. He said, you care so much about your monuments and about your movies. And you've forgotten the movement that I came to birth. So here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to take my hand off a, off a little bit. Let the devil have his way a little bit. And the devil drove us into cyberspace. We got into cyberspace. And what did we do? We started preaching and teaching there. Can I hear an amen? And many people have heard the gospel today as a result of this global pandemic that never would have walked in the doors of a church. Never would have listened to a preacher never many more I'm talking about millions have come to faith in Jesus Christ in that period of time because we were driven into places that we didn't decide to go and that's a lesson that need to tell us something that need to tell us that the day we stop moving hello persecution because that's the only how you move and when the persecution comes, you have a choice to make. You're either going to come out of it wishing to God you had what you had before. Praying that you could get back all of the glory of the heyday of what it was before. Or you're going to come out of it. Watch this. This is, this is my closing point. Might as well play. That's going to help me to believe that I'm actually closing. <laughs> I don't know why people haven't clocked on. There's ways to make me stop. <laughs> now... Now, now watch this. When you're coming out of a crisis, you have a choice to make. You're either going to try to get back everything you had. In which case, the big question in your head is why? Why? Wrong question. 
Here's the bright question. Where? What? Where? Where what? Where is this forcing me to go? Where is this pushing me? And how can I prepare myself for what's next? You see, when a baby is being born, that's a crisis. And there's two things baby can do. Why? It's not going to change nothing. You're wise. Even if we answer the why, it's not going to change the where. The where is that you are being pushed into the next dimension of your destiny. You're not going back to who you were. You're going forward into something new. And I stopped by to tell our wonderful congregation, God is doing a new thing with us. That new thing is not season two of the Bishop Malcolm movie. Y'all didn't hear that? You want season two of the Bishop Malcolm movie? Season one, watch him go. Wow! Season two is let me watch you go. Y'all ain't going to help now. Season one, you watch me go. Season two, I'm going to watch you go. Because only then are we a movement when you are moved by the Holy Spirit. I want you to lift your hands in the presence of God. I'm going to pray that the anointing fall upon the believers today. I want to pray that believers get the unction of Stephen and begin to realize that you are as important as anyone else. Perhaps more important than anyone else. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray for every believer under the hearing of the word. I pray that you'll raise up a new breed of believers, a breed of people, a people, Lord God, who are missionaries in their heart, a people who embody the values and the ideals of the kingdom of God, and a people who will experience the power of God in their everyday life and in their everyday witness. I pray, God, I pray, God, in Jesus' mighty name that you will raise up the believers. And if you're a believer today and you want to be part of the Jesus movement, I want you to stand to your feet and give God a great hand clap. Amen. Give God a great hand clap. Hallelujah. Praise God. You've been listening to a live sermon at ICANN Community Church. We hope that you feel inspired, informed, and empowered to take your life to the next level. We want to build a relationship with you, whether you attend ICC or not. Of course, we would love for you to visit or even to join. And if that's not possible, we can still stay in touch. Go to our website at www iCanCommunityChurch.com and subscribe to our mailing list for updates on special events which may be coming to an area near you. Until next time, this is Bishop Wayne Malcolm saying God bless you.